You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. Now, I hope some of you know the connection with, between Wisbeach and Bromley. No. That's where Hugh comes from, Hugh Osgood, who is of churches in community, who has been so instrumental in uh, standing with us and alongside us and teaching uh, over the years since, as a church, we joined churches in community. And at times, we as leaders and as a congregation, we refer back to Hugh, not because he is in charge of the church, but because of his wisdom and experience, how do we resolve this? How do we go forward in this? So although we don't live in Bromley and Hugh doesn't live in Wisbeach, there's an organic connection. And when we come to Acts chapter 15, there's an organic connection between the church up north, which is in Antioch, and the sort of mother church in Jerusalem. And Houston, we have a problem. And there's a problem uh, in Antioch, and they go to Jerusalem to try and sort it out. Now, what uh, Fiona has, uh, and other people have talked about the mission uh, that Paul and uh, Barnabas have been engaged in. If we go to chapter 14, we just see uh, that um, that they they've arrived at Antioch, and it says, verse 27, on arriving there. They gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how, this is the important verse, and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. So Paul is a missionary to the Gentiles, to the non-Jewish world, and he's reported to the church in Antioch. When we've been traveling around, all these people from a non-Jewish, maybe from a Greek or a Roman background, have become disciples of Jesus. Then trouble brews, because, chapter 15, some men came down from Judea to Jerusalem, to, to Antioch, and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on the way. They travelled through various places sharing the good news. Verse 4, when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and require to obey the law of Moses. So can you see, people from a non-Jewish background have become Christians. There is a faction within the Christian church who are saying, actually, to be real believers, to really be saved, the men need to be circumcised. And they're quite adamant about that. So Peter gets up and speaks, <laughs> as Peter often does. And he gives his story, and I hope you know his account, where he went to the house of Cornelius. And as, as a Jew himself, he had misgivings about going to the house of a Gentile. And God, in a dramatic way, had to give him this vision of a blanket with uh, unclean meat coming down from heaven. And Peter's told to, you know, go and eat. Uh, and 
he was convinced that it was right to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And the evidence was that those believers were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And um, verse 10 and 11, it says here, this is Peter speaking, Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we, as Jews, nor our fathers have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. So you're trying to impose legal rights upon these new believers. And we're saying, we got saved by the same way that the Gentiles got saved. It's through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not in conformity to the law. So then James gets up, and James is the brother of Jesus, though he doesn't pull rank by saying, do you know what, I can speak with authority here because I'm the brother of Jesus. Uh, James is, describes himself as a servant of the Lord in other places. And James gets up and he quotes scripture. We call it Old Testament. For them, it was their scripture. They didn't have any other. And he quotes from Amos chapter 9. And in that, he's saying that the, the Lord will bring Gentiles, un-Jewish people, in into what we would call his kingdom. And then verse 19 and 20. So James says, It is my judgment, therefore, I like this, and as a church we need to get hold of this, we should not make it difficult for people to become Christians. We should not make it difficult. We should not erect barriers that God doesn't put there. Therefore, we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we'll, we'll send them a letter giving them some advice. And we'd write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. So James, uh, James is agreeing with Peter that the Lord has opened a door for the Gentiles. And they speak with authority. Peter, because he's been a, a, a commissioned and appointed by the Lord. James, because he, in, in his role as leader, uh, one of the leaders of the church, one of the pillars of the church. And it's in contrast to the men who went up to Antioch. Some men went out from us. We didn't send them. They, they're, they're on their own mission. But when it comes to the council in Jerusalem, they speak with authority. It's very important as, as a church, as individual believers, we test those who are teaching us. By what authority? By what authority do you say this? All of us, myself included, we come with our own filters and bias and uh, perception and understanding. But the bottom line is... Does this agree with Scripture and what the Spirit of God is saying in agreement with Scripture? So James and the others, they agree to, to send a letter. Uh, let, let's skip over. Um, at verse 24, let me read the letter. We have heard that some went out from us without authorization and are disturbing you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. Here's the authority. You can believe what they're saying. 
it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. So that's the letter they sent. And you see the response it gets. They, they take the better letter back to Antioch. And after delivering the letter, it says the church, the church, they read it, on verse 31, they read it and were glad for its encouraging message. And then they send the two messengers back to Jerusalem uh, with the blessing of peace. And so at the end of this disturbing episode where there's division and a bit of uh, discord in the church, what should we do, who should we listen to? The church is strengthened, that's what the word encouraged means, and there is a blessing of peace. And when situations are resolved God's way, that is the outcome. People come out of challenging situations stronger. It's what James teaches, that the testing of your faith builds character. And you have a choice whether you're going to give up or whether you're going to continue. And the church in Antioch was strengthened by this. And there was a blessing of peace. And peace is only possible when brothers dwell together in unity. That's a very quick run through. And we could do a whole Bible study on all the verses in, in, in that episode. But how does it relate to us in Wisbeach? This letter about not eating meat strangled or blood or idols. But do you see the problem that they had between Antioch and Jerusalem? Um, there were people who thought people, other believers, weren't behaving properly. So we're going to go and tell them how they should do it. We'll fix it. But how does God do it? That's why I wanted to use this silly example of platting together. So you've got the Jewish background. In Antioch, you would have had a very strong Greek and Roman background. And people come with their own history and their own ethos about how life is going to be lived. And yet God has brought them into the church. So now how do they live together? How do brothers dwell together in unity, making them one? That's why I say only God can do that. It's a miracle of grace that we get on as well as we do. <laughs> it really is. In Friday Conversations, uh, we're going through the book Blessed, Broken, Given, and uh, Jackie very kindly stepped in for Matt, who was <laughs> ill on Friday as well, uh, with Alan. And they were quoting from some chapters here. And I, I took particular note of uh, one section I think Alan quoted from. It says here, Church is the kind of gathering where an outsider might look at a seemingly random assortment of people and wonder what in the world they have in common. And the only answer, possible answer, Alan, is Jesus is Jesus. You come from our, and, and um, it was mentioned, the different cultures, the Caribbean, the African, the English, and blended together to make one. 
in this, uh, to this situation, James has a solution. And it's a solution which is a compromise. There's going to be give and take on all sides. And he's very adamant, men, you don't have to be circumcised. Hallelujah for that. Um, but to be helpful, he makes an appeal. So, you Gentiles coming from your background, so as not to cause offence to the Jewish ones, could I say, just, it would be good if you followed these things. And I've read them to you. Abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. Because in their culture, a lot of uh, worship of other gods involved all sorts of stuff. And the church was meant to be distinctive and separate from the culture of the world. And so in, in this community, for now, just consider the interests of other people. It would be good if you did that. He says, I'm not, to, I'm not going to put you under law. In fact, he, he says, you know, everybody knows the law. They did uh, in, in those days. Uh, he says, for Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times. The synagogues were out teaching the law of Moses um, every Sabbath. So people know the law, but I'm not putting you under it. I'm giving you the freedom. Because the aim of the church is to be a different community, a different body from the people in the world. And it's so easy for the culture of the world to come into the church. Uh, in Salvation Army days, uh, when I was training, we used to do open-air meetings. I used to do open-air meetings in Soho. The Elephant and Castle was a place we often used to go to. And there was one famous time when uh, he happened to be a, a Yorkshireman. He was leading the open-air meeting. We got all these people going around and he's standing with a megaphone shouting, you may think that we're different from you, but I'm here to tell you that we're not. And we're all going, oh no. <laughs> I know what he was trying to say, but he was saying it so badly. We are meant to be different. We are meant to be different from the world. And he mentions sexual immorality there. And in our culture, um, there are some presiding pressure points and factors. I think we're all aware because of the political agenda that's going on, money is a driving force in our, in our culture. And, we, and we, we've got to secure our financial security that is not the kingdom of god seek first his kingdom and all these other things will be you've got to be you've got to be sensible not squander it not to not not be wasteful but we're not driven by money one of the it, it's not the only ones but one of the other strong driving factor now is sexual freedom and in so many areas people are talking about the rights of sexual freedom and now even the bishops some of the bishops in the Church of England are raising that issue as well and the church is meant to be free of that actually in the church when sexual relationships are conducted properly it's meant to be the best experience you can have but if you transgress go over those uh, over those boundaries uh, you land up in all sorts of trouble and so James is saying in that in that culture where temple prostitutes and sexual freedom and uh, liberalism was, was around. He says, um, food restrictions, just in, 
just in honour of the other believers, but abstain from sexual immorality. Keep yourselves pure and holy. Interestingly, Paul has a different take on food, not on sexual immorality, but on food. Paul, when he's addressing the church in Corinth, he says all foods are clean. You can eat anything. And so James was addressing a situation there for that time. Now, we could do another study on what Paul is saying in Corinth. Uh, He does caution you to be aware of the conscience of other people as well as your own conscience. But can I tell you, I've eaten food that's been part of a Hindu festival. Well, it was very nice. I've eaten food that was part of a Muslim festival. It was very good. I've eaten, even eaten food that was part of a pagan festival. I'm still alive and I'm well because I'm not taking part in the ritual, in the, in the ceremonies, but actually I am building a relationship with Hindus, with Muslims, with pagans. And so, strange thing to say, you don't have to obey everything that's in the Bible. Did you know that? <laughs> you, don't have to, uh, you, you don't have to not eat blood. Some people, I know Keith, he likes his black pudding. Well, he's not, he's not disobeying scripture. Um, we do need to make a difference between the, the debatable things and the things that are beyond debate. And we might say, oh, well, we don't have to obey those. We don't have to obey the, the sexual injunctions as well. Yes, you do. Uh, Jesus was very clear on that as well. So how do we as a church bring all our different strands together? I come with my history, my background, my experience, my sin, my preferences in music, in styles of worship and all sorts of things. How do we bring it together? How do you bring it together? How did you come into the kingdom of God? What door was opened to you that was open to the Jewish people that uh, Peter says was open to the Gentiles? What door was it? It was the door of grace. It was the door of grace. It was the door of grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember we did a series on that? What it actually means, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Totally undeserved. And so when I come in on that door, in that through that door, I can't stand on a pedestal. I can't distance myself from other people who've come in through that door of grace too. And if we come in through that door, we're meant to walk in that as well. And so it is putting up with the differences, the debatable, the, it, it really doesn't matter. There's things in you, there's things in me, and I've, you know, We've been part of this church for 40 years. And I know I rub people up the wrong way. I made a joke earlier and some people will be offended by it. I've offended so many people by my jokes and my humour. But the grace that you're expecting from me, I'd like to receive from you too. And that happens around the tables in, when we're having coffee and sharing together. When somebody says something that oh, jars against me, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. 
when somebody goes and they're on their own bender about beating a drum about something. Oh, I don't quite see it that way. Debatable stuff. Okay, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We had a lovely conversation with Freya this week. And she was saying that when they first came to the church uh, 10 years ago, first of all, they went to the Catholic church down at the end of the road and discovered that's what, that wasn't the one they wanted. And then the week after, they found us here. She said it, it was such a, a warm welcome. It was, it, it was so engaging to be part of this family. I heard Alan, I heard Alan say that on Friday. Um, when they came, Joan and Alan came first. What hit them was the welcome that they received. And people of all sorts of races, of backgrounds, of uh, oh, you, you name any difference, they'll walk through that door and it's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that welcomes them in. Can I say one last thing to say? And I want to take it a step further. Um, let me just find in, in Ephesians. God, God, uh, God, electric, there we go. If I knew my Bible, I'd know where Ephesians was. There we are. Okay, there we go. Um, so I gave you this illustration of the differences being plaited together. And it's one thing to share life alongside one another. But Paul has a, has a deeper vision than that. And writing with the authority of God... In Ephesians 2 and verse 15, he's talked about abolishing commandments and regulations. It says, God, his purpose was to create in himself one new humankind. One new man, it says here, but one humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And there he's talking about Jews and Gentiles coming together. But it isn't that you're just you'll live alongside each other comfortably actually there will be such an integration that it's a whole new identity let me i'm going to finish with a couple of illustrations to try and make my point watercolor you know i do watercolor painting very simple illustration we know yellow and blue basically make green but you put the two together the green couldn't be green without the yellow and the blue, but you don't notice the yellow and the blue, you notice the green. Same with yellow and red makes orange. And when, when we're created as a new community, there's a new identity which is more than people like the rugby club or the bowls club that we get on along together. There's a new organic unity which is a new expression of the life of God. I went, I told you, I went to hear the, the 16, that choir, unaccompanied choir singing in Peterborough Cathedral. And what is so good about them is each singer would have a wonderful voice, but when they sang, you never heard one voice. You heard one sound. It's like an orchestra or a brass band. Each has different sounds, but when they play together, you're not conscious of the different differences. You're only conscious of the sound they make together. And church, church is meant to be that union of people by the grace of God, which has created something unique. The world can't produce it. It's got to be God that brings us together because it's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Does it make sense? Now we've got to work it out. 
And that's the tricky thing, isn't it? it? That really is a tricky thing. We know the theory, and over the years we've experienced that. But more and more we need to be experiencing what it is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that brings us together, not so that we can just have a good time, but so that through the church, God could demonstrate his manifold wisdom. That this is, this is the new creation that he's begun now. Whereas the, the fall brought separation from God and from one another, alienation, that in Christ we, we are the, oh, I'm going to go on another one here. We, we, are, we are the forerunners of the new creation. That there will be a universe, one whole community with God as center, and it's begun in the church. And it only happens when we come through that door of grace and we live by that grace. And then amongst us, Jesus is glorified. Can we pray together? Can I ask you just to be aware of the people that you're with and the, the people that make up this church? We did the exercise about looking at the differences and, and we know. We know how varied and diverse we are. But aren't we blessed by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? We're blessed that we're growing and understanding his ways and his purposes. Lord Jesus, I want to pray that this morning we as a company of believers, we as your church of the living God, will be encouraged and strengthened together. And that there would be amongst us a blessing of peace. I thank you, Lord, that you're learning, you're teaching us how to, to forgive, even as we've been forgiven. You're teaching us how to uh, allow your grace to flow in and through us. You're teaching us how to be a holy people, a people set apart for the purposes of God and this morning as we've met together I pray Lord that here despite all the activities of the enemy but despite all that the world wants to throw at us despite the, the agenda of the world um, everything that conspires against your church Lord thank you that you are building your church and you're building your church as a holy people a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. And I pray, Lord, that this morning the bond of fellowship that joins us to you will be strengthened and join us one to another in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Do share together. Uh, we're going to have uh, the um, tea and coffee and whatever. And it is time. Um, I, I, once, I once made a real big boo-boo. Um, I, I was trying to get the church integrated and I said um, yeah I, I do say some really foolish things at times uh, <laughs> I, I, I said what well, I announced in church um, set up some meals 
and people that you haven't invited that people that you wouldn't normally invite invite them so um that obviously everything oh well, you're invited but you wouldn't normally invite me would you <laughs> So that was not one of my best moments. Um, but, but it is. It, it is to branch out, to connect with one another, um, not, not just to be... I was going to quote from... I was, I was going to quote from uh, th this book again. I forgot. Because that was, that was good, uh, what Alan said on Friday. Um, to come to church, uh, you, 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 you're part of the family and you share in the feast you need to listen to friday conversation to hear what it's saying um the reverse is also true if you want the feast if you want the blessing of what church is you have to welcome the family and sometimes that's very disturbing and uh, inconvenient but if you want the feast you've got to have the family okay let, let's have coffee and uh, tea together okay <laughs>